This episode of The Ketchup is brought to you by Dean's Dairy Dip, the number one French onion dip in America, and the classic, cool, and creamy sponsor of Food Beast Kitchen League's Dean's Dip-Off. We're pitting innovative chefs against Dean's Real Dippers in head-to-head recipe battles where the Dean's Dip-Off lets you join the live audience in trying to sabotage the competition. Yep, you can sabotage our contestants live, and no matter what, Dean's deliciousness stays intact. Check out the Food Beast Twitch page for the live streams, recaps, and Dean's Dip recipe videos. And look for Dean's Dip in your supermarket dairy case because Dean's is real dip for real dippers. What is up, fatties? Fatties! We are recording live from Las Vegas. Yeah, we're in a hotel room. We're coming at you straight from the MGM Grand. A.K.A. the Hilton Grand Vacation Long-Term Stay. A.K.A. I got a timeshare deal. Thanks, Jeff. <laughs> but we are with entrepreneur and content creator Paul Ryu. He owns a badass company called Jump Force. They represent over 30 different restaurant concepts in and around the Vegas area. And I've actually been following Ryu on Instagram for some time. His food porn is what brought me in. And 24 hours ago, I literally thought he was a 22-year-old kid that just lived in Vegas and took pictures of sushi. Uh, But man, there's so much more. Let's talk drugs. Let's talk some jail. Let's talk deportation. Let's talk food porn. Let's talk actual porn. Let's talk Las Vegas. And let's talk some sushi burgers. Ryu, welcome to the Food Beast Catch-Up. Welcome to the catch-up. Introducing your hosts, Eli Aruth, editor-in-chief, and Jeffrey Kutnick, CEO, and apparently the only guy who takes this podcast seriously, of the craziest, most bestest, news-breaking, food-porn-peddling, viral website on the dot-coms, It's crazy when your future is decided by an algorithm. Dude, this pizza is fucking crazy. There's not one person in this entire world that believes you. All right. And welcome to the catch-up. I never in my wildest dreams thought that we were going to end up doing a podcast with... When I picked you guys up this morning from the airport, we, we never thought that... I would be ending up here. So this is an honor. I actually knew this was all in my plan. <laughs> yeah. First of all, thank you for picking us up from the airport. <laughs> that was fun. Can I be honest with you? I hate sober Uber drivers. Like, <laughs> like, actually, no, thank you for being sober Uber drivers. <laughs> I hate being sober in an Uber and having to have a conversation with an Uber driver. That's just not, I don't like it. So I'd rather have it with a new friend. And uh, I, ha- I also have to say, I mean, Eli and I, we've traveled a lot together for Food Beast. Um, we've also traveled a decent amount individually. I have never had someone, first of all, who I'd never met in person, yeah, reach out to us and say, "Hey, let me pick you up from the airport." That was like nice. that. Is, that is some that is some southern hospitality right <laughs> yeah. there. And I don't know. Maybe it's because I didn't fully expect it. In also coming from Vegas, yeah. But I don't know. It was like real. It was real. It was really nice to. Hey, we're getting. We're getting picked up. It's borderline creepy. I understand <laughs> it. It's, it's tight. It's, it's, it's a little than, aggressive. Well, I mean, it's better than what I do. Like, when I know someone's coming into town, my phone mysteriously disappears <laughs> for 48 hours. <laughs> I don't know how to pick you up at the airport. 
<laughs> also, picking anyone up in like LA or Orange County just sucks. It like, is. It also, picking up from Vegas is different than getting that text message from a family member of like, "Hey, um, I arrive at four fifteen at LAX on Friday. Is there? A, can you go get it?" That <laughs> that question is like a whole different commitment. It's right. like, yo, like I got you on the Uber. Like, right. I'm not spending. Th- I love you, <laughs> mom. But I'm not spending three hours in LA traffic to pick you up at LAX and three hours back. Like, I'm not doing it. So, I really appreciate you picking us up in the airport. Yeah, as we just like, as, as we just like deprecated, you're like, oh, you only spent 15 minutes picking us up. No, we really, we really appreciate yeah, you picking us up. Yeah, that made me feel pretty bad about that. Like, <laughs> no, but then you proceeded to spend all day with us yeah, annoying fucks and, and like took us to amazing sushi. Uh, thank you. Um, so, of course. So you're not just a 24 year old kid on on Instagram. You I'm, have a lot, a lot going on. I'm definitely not 24. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's 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 for sure. I'm 44. That cricket, cricket. <laughs> I was so surprised I'm when like, I heard what? you were 44. I, yeah, I'm, I needed... I'm born in 75. That's 44, right? Damn. Oh no, I'm not 44 yet. I guess I'm 30, 43, and I'm about to be 44 this year in October. Okay, Dude, my birthday's coming next up. Week. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I definitely, I definitely think from when we when we look at in Instagram in general, and then when we meet people through through Instagram, it tends to be, I think, on average, Eli and I, thir- 31, 32, 33, I don't, yeah, remember. I'm 31, and we tend to meet people younger than us mm-hmm. right right because we right. like a lot of people know a lot of people know Food Beast in some way because of Instagram. We've been around like for a decade. Mm-hmm. We tend to be a bit older than the people kind of jumping into media. And so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I had no idea, but right. I think the, yeah, I think it's. I try to keep young. My wife is, uh, <laughs> my wife is nine years younger than me. That's okay. what's so, up. That's what's up. Dog. Yeah, that's what's up. Man, yeah, there no, we go. Fist bumps. <laughs> We're totally you fist know. bumping right now. So, okay. So 40 uh, ish years ago, you were born. Where was that? Seoul, Korea. Yo, Korea. Yep. Born in Korea. Born in Korea. How long did you live in Korea before uh, moving to the States? 13 years. So I was, uh, I was already in junior high school there. I was, I was, I've graduated sixth grade and like a seventh grade. I was, I've graduated seventh grade and I came out here when I was 13. That was 1989. Yeah. That's a year after I was born. So what, what, what brought <laughs> you up? That. See, that's, what took that's you? fucked up. Yeah, I'm just setting up the landscape. Crush me with that. You look fantastic, dog. Yo, you I can't no, even cause you know you had to follow <laughs> what the, you look fantastic when you said shit like that. Right? Bro, I'm 31 and look a very good 50. <laughs> you look like a good 23. So what you're in Korea and then you yeah. left at 13. Yeah, so I graduated out in graduate. I was in middle, middle school and then so the whole coming to America at a such early age. I was 13 years old. Uh my parents made that decision. I think because a I wasn't good in school in Korea. Uh and they knew that if I went to America at least I'll be good at math. You know, and that's, Yo, imagine how bad you gotta be at school that your parents take you out of the country. Like, well, that's well, so bad. Yeah, but it's hard also, to get to you get into college in Korea. It's, uh, like a lot of people don't. I think the college system back then. I don't know if it's true right now. They they if you want to make it to a major, that you gotta go to that major and take that take that test, and it's only once a year. So if you don't get into that college, it's not like you take an SAT and you go to place where you fit in. It's more you 
try out for that major and if you don't make it you gotta wait a whole another year before you can even try become, you can you can get into college wait so the so your parents mindset was all right he's not making it here but well another big thing is that it's mandatory military for korea right mandatory military okay. for all males so uh getting out of the country to study in america when you're like 16 17 is was getting tougher and tougher as as it went so getting out early was my parents move i guess I'm, I'm not really sure i've never really till this day asked my mom why but this is how it happened so i'm 13 i have to go through this interview process at, at a at a at a con you know or like a uh what is that called consulate um, yeah consulate where you have to get your passport and she knew that it would be it they would they would they would care about this whole military thing so how they played it for me was that they told me that i'm going to disneyland and i'm 13 years old like if you want to blow a little kid's mind that's a 13 year old in korea you tell them that you're going to take them to anaheim in united states and you got to go you're going to go to disneyland or whatever so eli's hometown yeah so I, I i i had this like i was super excited told my entire school that i'm actually there's only one kid in our school that's been to been to disneyland you know and i want to beat that like thing so so yeah i told everybody i got excited so i went through the whole interview process with this like super excitement of me going to fucking disneyland so at, at the interview i i passed with the flying colors you know and as i remember this clearly till this day, and i've never told them anything but when i got out of the consulate you know then the the whole interview thing we we're coming home and she's driving and i remember she didn't even look she was looking straight to the road and she's like yeah so when you go you're not coming back. Oh, wait. That's, that's exactly how they dropped it to you, me. You, you, on the way to the airport? Yeah. On the way back from the, the interview. They said, okay, you know this trip? You're going, we're not going, you're going, and you're not coming back. That what what do you thing. mean they're not going? So they didn't fly with me. I was the only one that actually flew out of the country. So my mom stayed, my sister and my brother, they all stayed. My brother and my sister were the ones who really wanted to go to the United States and do this, but... I was the only one, first one to get out. Are they older or younger? They're all, I'm the youngest kid. You're the youngest kid. Yeah, so my sister's like seven years older than me, my brother's three years older than me. But she, my sister's out here now, but she came way after, I'll tell you that story later. But so I came and I had a stepdad at the time who had a house in Beverly Hills. He, he, was, he, was, he, he was pretty well off. So he arranged the whole school thing in Ojai, California, which is like Santa Barbara area. Yeah. And there was like a private school so I had to go into like a, a boarding school where there's a dorm, 13 years old. But the craziest part, so, so he got me out. I was by myself, he got me out. I, he had a house in Inglewood. I stayed there for a little bit, went to Disneyland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like within the first month. But I stayed there until the school started and when the school actually started, they put me back in sixth grade when I was done with seventh over there. Oh wow. And I went into sixth grade in Ojai Valley School, which is, a, I had to live in a dorm. But the craziest thing with that, there's no Koreans in this dorm. So in, in this whole school, there's no Koreans. So, and I had no idea how to speak English or anything like that. So I had to like learn from, nobody spoke Korean. Wow. So that's how I lost some of my accent, accent real, quick. real quick, is that I literally had to survive. To, like, I remember the first few days I would like pray, and I'm not like a big prank, but, but I would pray that I don't talk to anybody tomorrow because oh. I don't know how to speak. So I had a strategy, dude. I had, okay, hi, my name is Paul. How do you do? You know, blah, blah, blah. I set it all up. And if anybody said anything, I would just start there. So people like, you know, it would work sometimes, but sometimes they'll just go, are you hungry? 
I'm like, hi, my name's Paul. How do you oh, do? Blah, no. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like I would go to like a burger, like a McDonald's, and I clearly remember this one incident where I went and I I, I used to be at a restaurant and point to the menu, like yeah. the picture, I want this. Yeah. I, I started there. And then I went and when I walked up, I think I said, I am cheeseburger mm. or something like that. And yeah. I clearly remember the guys, oh my name my name's French fries. Oh. Uh, how do you do? Like all these kind of incidents that used to have in me, like trying to learn English. But I, I figured when you're in that situation within like maybe three months, you kind of you kind of get a hang of it. Because you have to. Yeah, and you learn certain things. As soon as I learned, how do you say that? I would I would keep on, how do you say this? How do you say that? How do you say this? And then I'll, I'll be able to learn. And that kind of got me to a place where I can kind of get a, get a hang of speaking. So your stepdad, did you know him growing up? How did, how did he get set up in America? And you said Beverly Hills yeah, and so all he, of that. Yeah, he was a, my dad passed away when I was like teenage. Uh, he was he was in Japan. He would go to Japan a lot, and he was like a, a, a I don't know, there a whole another crazy story about that. But he he passed away early. So uh, this new like my stepdad was he had a trading business in in L.A. and he had a business in Hong Kong. So he would travel a lot. You just did some air quotes on the trading. Yeah, because like he okay. So eventually, after I got into school, uh, I remember like feds coming to my door saying do you know this man and he got arrested for like money laundering oh. and it's like huge syndicate i guess he was like collecting cash from i don't know if they're into drugs or whatever but this this organized group and he would money launder it through hong kong somehow and they would write cashier's check from hong kong back to these guys or something like that the only reason i know is because my sister was involved in it somehow, so she had to go up and testify against my stepdad. Like, do you know this person? I think there was a transaction in one of the fake bank accounts that they made, and the bank account was under my sister's name. Wow. So he, she had to go and testify against him, but that happened later. But he had money, and he had all these houses in LA and stuff like that, so he was the one that was able to kind of pave the road for me to come, for us to come. So when they first came, it was good. Like, I was in that, uh, the, the, the Ojai Valley School for about like little less than a year. And all I did was go to math classes and ESL, like English as Second Language yeah. for a while and I learned my English there. And then uh, my parents' genius move was to buy a house in San Diego mm -hmm. and move me down there. And my sister was 21 at the time, so she was gonna move to United States as my legal guardian. And she was gonna be my legal guardian there. So they bought the house in San Diego and I moved but my sister's visa got delayed like a half a year. Wow. So I, I landed in this house and he and said it all. And you're 14. That's 14 years old. Yo, I'm in this house. By yourself. By myself now. Uh, he's there, but he's like, again, he's got this thing going on in LA. So he's traveling a lot back and forth from San Diego to LA. But that became like almost never coming back. So he would come back like maybe once a week and then once a month. It's before he got caught. Right, Before so that caught. yeah, the whole house was set up. I think he bought the house cash or something like that, and he was able to kind of like, just, and it was a nice neighborhood. But the crazy thing about this story is that I, the neighborhood I landed in was like a cul-de-sac to cul-de-sac street. It was like two miles away from the main street. And for some reason on this street in the neighborhood, there's like 14 maybe, like 15 kids that are living on my street or the street next over that are in my grade in my school, and they're, pretty much the pop, most popular kids in in our school. So I just became this, out of nowhere, this party house 
for all these people. Oh. I had the biggest eighth grade party you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> Yo, if like you the was- fact that I said eighth grade party is just like funny That's itself. Hilarious. But if you ever ever talk to my friends that are from that area, like we had beer, we had a DJ, hollowed out my pool, like you know what I mean? And it was like an epic, like a eighth grade party. Ever since then it was like my my house was a party house. And from all, eighth grade. Yeah. So like a lot of my friend's first sexual experience was probably at my house or something like that. You know what I mean? Like that kind of stuff. Yo, eighth grade partying with no parents. I'm assuming a baller house. And how, how do you, do you have like a moral compass at this point? Like what, what are you doing? Are you, are people taking advantage of the fact that you have this big yeah, house? There's a lot or of that. were you like, yo, let's rage. Like wh- so, who are you as this? Yeah. Who uh, are you as this like eighth grader? That's like a really good question. Um, I know, I'm really good at that. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody is happy with that. Well, I think the thing, I have have just talked to somebody about this. I think I told told Mindy this. I think the big thing about me was just wanting to be cool Mm. because I can't speak English. I'm like this nerdy. Back then, guys, being a Korean kid that had a thick accent, super nerdy, like that's like the coolest thing. Like I feel like being a Korean person in America is a lot cooler now. Oh, it's tight. Sure. (laughs) Than what it was before. So all I wanted to be was like be accepted, I guess, like be an American and stuff like that. So I would I would pretty much like buy friends. You know what I mean? I would I would I would buy things and I would like just wanting people to just hang out with me and, and stuff like that. So I remember a lot of like getting advantage of taking advantage of that happened to me like constantly. My house was trashed every day, you know, all this stuff. Eventually to a point where I had to move out of the house because my parents said, fuck this, this is not happening. It's not you know working. what I mean? It's not working out. Like we're getting complaints from uh, homeowners association because my yard is going crazy, my pool is green and all this kind of stuff. People are jumping from the roof, like, you know, kids everywhere. So they started kind of like coming down. So we had to move into an apartment after that. Before the, before the podcast, you mentioned a couple of stages like in your life where partying was a big part of your life. Did that start because of just the opportunity in eighth grade with like no parental supervision, wanting to enter like social circles? Is that like, is that a catalyst for a lot of the like partying to come? Do you think? Yeah, I think so. I think that's where I started it. Um, I I early on when when I went through all that, I kind of figured I'm 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 lucky with people for some reason. I have like I I never and I, I can't say never, but I didn't like really go into situations where I thought that I would end up like being race, like treated really like racism and you know, people are putting me down for like, I didn't have too much of that. And I always kind of like put that as, I'm just lucky with people and, and my surroundings and stuff like that. So yeah, uh, the whole people thing kind of led me to the whole party thing, I guess. I just craved friends because I didn't have any parents. And uh, in the in the, I guess what I saw in a school social network was like this click is important, you know what I mean? And who you hang out with and who your friends are. And I had like this uh, little advantage of having all those guys near my house that I was able to kind of like kick it with all the time. And that led me to a place where I'm kind of comfortable. I don't have to worry about like me not, not having friends or something like that. But ever since then, that skill kind of took off to like, I'm always like that. I'm, I'm, I'm craving friends. So even in right now in my company, uh, I'm more of a people. I, I handle that than, than the thing. So the whole party thing, going back to that, yes, I think that's where I started. I was able to kind of like get into the whole partying thing before. But, but the nightlife is a whole different thing. I mean, so, okay, so eighth grade, I'm assuming, did you go to high school? Yeah. Okay, so what, high school, let's, is it more of eighth grade? Yeah. 
More of eighth grade? Okay. Yeah, so like I, I was supposed to go to this high school that is uh, the public high school that I was supposed to go from my junior high. But my parents decided that because you're an international student, it's better to go to private school. So they try to put they put me in a all boys Catholic high school, and I had to leave my current friends and go over there. But there was like a bigger, so that's I made even more friends there, and I started mixing those friends with my old friends that goes to another high school, and the posse got even bigger and bigger. You know what I mean? And everybody was my my house and my our our parties were like the central location for a lot of people to kind of like. Were you? So, wor- did you ever like work during high school, or was it no. just party, party, party? I couldn't work. I was a I was an international student, so huh. you can't work during that time. You have to get a work something or work visa or something like that. So I wasn't really working until I got my green card, which was much much later. So all I had to do is just go to school and be in school for my sit uh, or like the status to be be current here. So what happens after high school? I go to college, UC Santa Barbara. Okay. Uh, the whole time I'm living in apartments, I'm living by myself, and I'm partying like crazy. But you then, keep landing in these party destinations. Let's yeah. start right. Out so and that was a whole. I mean, yeah, and you're in that, and you're you're able to go into UC, and you look at few options that I can. I wasn't really good in school, so I ended up at like. The Santa Barbara, you know what I mean. I wanted to go to Berkeley. They're really, or they're really good at partying, though. At Santa Barbara. <laughs> like you can study baked, is what you say. You see Santa Barbara, but yeah. So we went. I went there, and within two years, I was partying so much that I my grades were failing crazy. So my parents stopped that. They're like, okay, I'm paying way too much, and you're not really passing these classes. Blah blah blah. So I had to pivot, and then that's why I came out to Vegas. Is because oh, I'm gonna go to. What <laughs> the how fuck? Do, like, how does how does <laughs> I'm so, gonna stop? Like, yeah, you have a you have a history of partying in essentially the houses you're in in San Diego. You have a history of partying in high school. You probably party too much in Santa Barbara. Right. Who chose the Vegas as well, my, the next yeah. destination? That <laughs> makes I, no that makes no sense to me. It's funny because I said this to you guys earlier today and it's had the same laugh. Like, how who does that? Who who my parents I, my sister was out here. So my by that time my sister was out and she went to UNLV. So she had a house out here. So I had somebody out here that mm-hmm. I can come out and that's 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 why half the reason I decided and right during that time, it was coming to a point where okay, military's coming up. Uh, my uh, student visa military. will be up. My student visa will be over soon. So who knows? You know what I mean? I might have to be by my family. I might have to go back to Korea soon. Blah blah blah. Which eventually came to a point where one of my really good friends from San Diego. That's a whole nother story. Like she came out, and we were we got married for the for the reason of that, and we Whoa. were able to stay. Uh, it's like the biggest thing that a person's ever done for me was was hey, uh, we'll be able to get married. You know what I mean? And we were able to kind of like get that get that going. So there's a person that actually helped me with that. You know, a, a long time ago. But that's a whole another. So that and so you getting married is the only reason, reason I was why able to stay. You, you could stay yep. and also not have to serve. But your... it was a good marriage, yeah. So like it was her first marriage. She wanted to do it, and you know it, it, it makes sense for me. So we got married, and I got married really early for that. So this marriage right now is my third marriage. Wow. Right. Wait. So, but was the marriage itself like? Was it for the purpose of you staying, or was it an also a romantic marriage? A little bit of both, you know. So uh, we were already kind of 
in a relationship before and then this ended up happening it, it more happened because i had to go i'm like i told her okay pretty soon this is going to happen i'm going to go back to korea and she's like what what are the other options i'm like yeah there's no options there's marriage and there's all that and she's like well and then she decided at the time she was like she was the one that pursued it so that's why i always felt like that's something biggest thing that anybody's ever done for me was that you know and I can't say any biggest thing that anybody's ever done for me, but it was like a huge, huge thing that a person decided to do. And there was a little bit of romance there, but more so the fact that I might have to leave yeah. was, was that. So when, when, you, when you came to Vegas, did that help or hurt the partying aspect? No, that it was, that was in Vegas, you know, that, 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 that was in Vegas. So like, I, I didn't, it did not help. I was even, I got even worse out here, as you can imagine. I got into the whole retail industry and then I got into the whole like nightlife. But I tell them when I used to party here, people think that I worked in nightlife. That's not the case. I just partied a lot. What were you doing <laughs> for work when you landed here? Uh, I was able to get a green card. So after I got a green card, I, got a, uh, I, was, I was able to get a retail job. So at first thing I've done, I, I got into retail. Okay, I was a first straight uh, sales male sales guy that BCBG Max Ezria hired at the time, I guess, and then I was able to continue that into BB Bebe at, yeah. the, at the time, and then I was a, I was a fashion like a retail salesperson, and we killed it. Uh, For people who aren't super familiar with BB, describe BB in its heyday of like what it what it was. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Because really hot, cause, remember? Because like, Eli, Eli and I remember, but I just want you to like get, paint a picture of what being a straight male salesperson at a BB was. Yeah, that was a lot of. It was a lot of fun. Um, BB at the time was the hottest like girls' clothing that's affordable, you know. And and I had a lot of like, it was really, really, really popular. That's why. You know, when I was working at BCBG, these girls from BB came and, and, and secret shopped on me and they asked, okay, we, we would like to have you guys, have you work for us. And they hired two straight male as sales at the time. It was me and my best friend currently right now was the second guy. And it came to a point where we're really good in sales. Our sales showed that as a straight male, you can, you can sell a lot of clothes and the girls were like really acceptive to, to us helping them. So it got to a point where it was like literally playing dress up with naked girls all day and we were just getting paid for commission for that. And it got to a point where it was really fun and a lot of crazy clients. Um, and, then, and then the nightlife guys came and said, hey, you deal with a lot of these female clients. Why don't you just tell them to come to our, you know, like refer them to our clubs. And then we had some relationships there and I created some like nightlife relationships there and I started pushing a lot of business over there and pushing some clients over there. So we were able to kind of party with that. Is that how it works in just like a touristy town or is that like a Vegas thing where kind of everyone might be on someone else's payroll? Like, yo, I walk into a gap and like if the gap employee might have a dude at a club, like yo, go there, tell them Eli sent you, right. and you get a rake on it. Oh, like, yeah. is that and you just happen to work at a place with like a, a lot of hot girls and, right. and the girls someone rule. tapped into that and right. then and girls rule Vegas. So And it and it worked for them at the time because we were we were we were seeing Volume. a lot of clients. Right. So but that's uh that's when the nightclubs were like kind of 
coming up. It's not like nightclubs nowadays where it's like super expensive and super DJ'd out and stuff like that. It was more it was more affordable tables back then. It was more like VIP mattered and and stuff like that. And so that's it was a good time for them to actually. I think it was a good move by them. It's just for me, I was just taking an advantage of it where I just know these guys. I can get into these clubs, and I was I was partying like a lot. What so, what made you get into partying even more? Was it just the access that you had yeah, because of the exactly. influence that you had at, at your work? Yeah, it's because I had the ability to walk into the clubs, you know, and and anytime I wanted, and all you had to do is a handshake. Back then, they didn't even check IDs, you know. Yeah. So like my best friend, who I don't know if I can say this, there were, he he was like way not. 21 you know and but we we had a lot of access to vips it's just a handshake back back then you didn't have to like really physically show ideas it's like a handshake hey what's up blah 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 and you walk in so we were able to do that and and we did a lot of that back then and we had a lot of clients so you know when at what point are you like i'm gonna leave this retail job did you i'm assuming you didn't did you work it for very long yeah i did and then it, it it got okay <laughs> so so bad move was that after bb i got i i got referred to like uh neiman marcus and when i went to neiman marcus thinking that that's better bigger ticket item most of those people already had my clients because their sales reps have been there for like 10 years or mm. 20 years and all the girls i used to shop with me already had a person there mm. so i had to start from scratch, from scratch. and that kind of pushed me up push me back and then by that time I was partying so much and I was like tardy to my work you know all this kind of stuff so I just kind of veered away from that and I went into sales after that I I, I started craving more sales uh, what, work what does uh like what's the definition of partying in your head at peak partying when you're in Vegas because Jeff just had a green tea and I feel like he's partying, bro. <laughs> Jeff is so fucking gassed up from earlier. He had one green tea. Well, I, you know, everyone has a different definition of yeah, party. Of I think we should lay it out. going out a lot, you know, and, and like going out to a club and then coming out and going to after party after that. That starts at 3 a.m. You know, you like Dre's or back, back then it was like Rhino after parties and stuff like that. And we would stay there until like morning. You know, sun came up. It's like noon. I would come walk out of a you know, like a club at noon, stuff like that. So there's a lot of substance going on. There's a lot of drugs, and there's a lot of, you know, trying to stay up and stuff like that. Like what? What? I get. I get it. When you're younger, you want to go out. Is it the FOMO that keeps you out? Is it the Probably. fear of missing out and not having that story? But then, what keeps you out? And I'm imagining in Vegas, everything is just amplified, and people are either crazy ragers or they are hermits like right. is it t is that indicative of of kind of a culture of people out here or is that because how do you survive in such a wild place like vegas i didn't so you know I, it, to me it was like the glitz and the people who were there you know and there's like cool people and i, I get to have party with the best and it's vegas in a nightclub and i think it's more uh that than than how how like the actual parting itself it's more the status of who's there and you know what kind of access you have to these like crazy popular nightclubs that that's what i was more you know drawn into but then again there's a lot of substances so that's you know an addiction plays a part and on top of that and all this kind of stuff so that's i've never been in so like i've never gotten to like crazy trouble with like partying and stuff like until i got to vegas Okay, what, so, what, what did that trouble look like? Yeah. Uh, 
it led me to harder drugs, you know. So I started, I started really. Should I talk about the whole? Yeah, bro. Let's go. I want to hear what. <laughs> like, what? I feel like I'm talking about a lot of stuff that I should not talk about. But then again, that's that's my life. Like, I, I yeah, I got into some harder drugs. I was doing like meth and stuff like that. How do you do meth for uh, the kids listening at home <laughs> to not do it? Well. You know, by that time, I've transitioned from my retail to sales jobs. So I was like on phones a lot, you know, and, and stuff like that. And to perk myself up from sales, there was some substance going around within the sales floor. Like seriously, yeah. So I was in a, I was in like a, uh, like a phone sales place, but it was like a huge, huge place. It's called NOS, and it was like a whole warehouse cleared out of. Salespeople, yep. Like, like boiler room. I want to say fifteen hundred sales reps. Fifteen hundred yeah. reps, all dialing for dollars. Yeah, just they're like all in a warehouse, in a Home Depot that is hollowed out. In the middle of it, there's a DJ playing music, <sighs> and every every time a deal comes around, the DJ will stop the music and go, "Ryu, what the music? Give it up!" And the whole entire place goes, <sighs> and dude, what? I would have to like. I would have to tell my clients. You're talking like Wolf of Wall Street, yeah, a, like boiler room yeah, 6 level. Yeah, you're doing shit. you're you're doing chants with your team. There's teams, and then there's like a, a, a there's a, a branch, and then there's like a bigger. You know what I mean? So every team's doing their chant, and then branch does their does their chant. This is six in the morning with <laughs> ties on. You know, like full on suit. What are you selling? Uh, long distance service from B to B. So I am telling these people that I can save them money on long distance services back then. And uh, I would tell my clients when people are really loud, I'm like, hey, let me step into my office and I would go underneath my desk. And I would, <laughs> I would say like, I would, I would pitch underneath my desk with my you know mouth around my mouth and stuff like that. I mean, my hand around my mouth and stuff like that. And so I remember that. So at that time, when we were doing those kind of sales, uh, there were some kind of crazy substances going on. That's when I was introduced to it. But then again, I would party, you know, at the same time too. So I would I would go out. So it it kind of came to a point where I would only do it at work to just get perked up a little bit. And then that led to a point where I I couldn't just come down on weekends anymore. You know what I mean? Like I would be all up and all going during Monday through Friday. And I would use like Saturday and Sunday to kind of like calm down from it. But that went to a place where I go out on the weekends and I have to continue it. And now I have to keep on going. So, you know, it, 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 it's, it's just a nightmare of a, of a, of a. Were you like making money at this sales job? Was yeah, it like, so it's like you're raking it, energy's high at work, your body's burning out. How long was this process of like? Years. Fuck? Yeah. Fuck. So like I had wow. a guy that NOS would, uh, like this, this company would, hire anyone so i had a person that was literally sleeping out of their car came in there within two months he had a car he was making so much money from sales that he was killing it he bought a car within like two months and he was able to kind of so i've seen you know uh i was making really good money i want i want to say i've made tens of thousands in in one month many many times there wow you know and i was young so more drugs and more i want to be up you know and and I would go out at the same time. So it got to a point where I'm up, I'm up too much, you know? So I had a car. So I got into like seven at-fault accidents within 50 days or something like that. I would stay up and I would like pass out and rear-end someone, you know, and a rental car would come out and I would do the same thing with that rental car. Like I would stay up for six days. 
I would start passing out on the road and I would like rear bump somebody's in the back. Another one comes, you know, stuff like that. When you at, at that time, like in the morning after of accident seven, when you're getting up and like in your own head, right? Mm-hmm. It's just you before mm-hmm. work day. Like what's going what's going through your mind like at that time? How self aware are you you're of not. what's going on? So I was I was probably just chasing the high at that time. By the time the sixth car, yeah, like you're only wanting to be, I'm only thinking about where am I gonna get my next fix. Uh, but I had money. I wasn't like on the streets fucking, you know what I mean? Like the classic, typical, I guess, like a picture of a- a, a Quote unquote a, junkie. Yeah, strung out yeah. junkie. I, I was just like dealing with guys that are that had money and it, it was you know uh, more of like a I, I felt it was more accepted because people i was dealing with was, was pretty well off and, and stuff like that it's like but oh like, it feels like we're getting shit done yeah but it, at the end of the day all I, I i did tell a person all i remember is being super busy but i didn't get one thing fucking done you know what i mean all i did was run around get drugs you know and then figure out how we're and then i got into pills because when you're really strung out you kind of want to even out so i i call that like speeding with the brakes on so i would i would be so gacked out they call it um i would want like lower tabs or like fucking xanaxes and got to a point where i was dropping like 10 to 12 xanax bars remember those do two milligram bars a day wow so i was super up and then i would do a downer to basically what i wanted to do is become normal like i craved not being strung out so I would do the opposite, but not like clean up. You know, I would do some 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 thing to just kind of like even myself out. Yeah, and I remember that. So when did it hit ahead? It feels like this is going somewhere. Where like something you has get, to happen. Yeah, you get arrested, and you I got I I kept getting arrested. So I would I would be one of those guys that would get a ticket, not take care of the ticket, mm-hmm. and then that would become like a bench warrant, and then I would get pulled over, uh, and they I have a bench warrant, so they search my car, and then they would find something so yeah i got to a point where i was going to jail for like tickets and then one time i got arrested when i had some like weed on me right so it's not legal at the time time it was not legal and i remember getting a felony for that right and i went to jail for that and then like i think it was the same time same same arrest where i had like a pill like i think it was a pain pain pill but the fact that i had in another person's like the case had another person's like prescription Screw bottle it. had another another person's name on it. Oh. So that was another charge. And at the time, I didn't know, like if you're a green card holder, you were not supposed to get a felony. I didn't know that. So I, I went through the whole, you know, I, I, I got arrested and I went through the whole thing and I, I did the time there. But yeah, so let me get back to your story. Uh, I, I kept getting arrested and then there was a moment where I got arrested for the last time and I clearly remember uh, I wasn't already on probation, so I already got you know got uh, uh, probation slapped on me. I was in like community service, all this on paper, and then I got arrested again. So at that time, they knew that it was going to be Prince. So I was Prince. Well, let me tell you how I. Oh man, I, my wife hates it when I tell this story, so I'm pretty sure I shouldn't say this. But last time I got arrested, I was on a two-way road with a stop sign. I was on the other side of the road mm-hmm. at a stop with the car in gear, in drive, my foot on the brake, 
passed out with a glass pipe, like a meth pipe in my hand. Wow. And I think like a bunch of like prescription pills in my pocket with a cop like banging on the window, dude. Oh. Put your car in park. Like that's what I woke up to. And I got arrested with that. I was on the other side of the road where the stop sign is over there. <laughs> Stopped. So when I got in from that arrest, my probation officer came. And I clearly totally remember his name. His name is Officer Haggerty. And he came. He's like, Ryu, you've done it. You're going to go to prison now. You're fucking dead. You're done. Like, look at you. You're not going to make it in prison, bro. So he actually recommended that I go into a halfway house than a prison. He's like a lifesaver for me. So for him, because of him, I didn't go to prison. I ended up in a halfway house. I don't know if you guys know what a halfway house is. It's like a house where people from prison come out when they've been in there for a long time. To get sober, to, right? To get like acclimated to the real world before they actually go out to the real world. So I would see these guys coming out of prison in our house and the guys, 100% of them, that I saw coming out went back to prison. Wow. You know, but I was there getting sobered up. I remember- You had the option to do that? No, I didn't. Uh, I was supposed to go to prison, but he vouched wow. for me to go into this halfway that, This that, is what- That feels lucky, right? Yeah. I mean, come on, that's like crazy lucky. Yeah. So that's why I always tell people like, oh, this whole story and I wanted to do this, it's because my luck with people. I just, I just, you know, the reason I didn't feel so segregated and all this kind of stuff that reason i slipped by these crazy incidents is because i had that one person in my life like the like the friend that that you got married, married to all this kind of stuff like, so like haggerty, haggerty. Is, is another one and he put me in his house so i remember dude when i first got in there i remember like telling myself how am i ever going to catch a ball because i'm I, I can only like sleep eat and and go to the bathroom I, i'm like I have a tough time even going to the walking to the bathroom because I'm so like out of it. This so, is you re recovering. Yeah, I'm com I'm coming back and I'm like literally telling myself, how am I ever going to be able to like be quick again or, or like be on it again? And I started from that, and then I started cooking for the house, and that was another thing you know, that kind of like got me to this load. And then, and then I got sobered up there, dude. For somehow I started working, I started coming back. Um, how long did that take for you to get? months like six months like i thought that you could get sober from those hard drugs like in a couple you know days. like kind of day, yeah. days they say that dude no it took me like three months to actually come back to it and then it, and then i started working uh my old company took me back the sales company that i told you about and um they took a poll like i was such a mess when i was high and the reason i know this because i don't remember much of it is that when he asked the sales staff who wants Paul back, only one guy raised their hand. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and I, I clearly remember that his name is Jose and I still love him for it. He's the one, he's like, Paul taught me everything about sales. I don't know, I, I vouch for him, but he was the only guy. Uh, it this way, when I came back, you know how you go see your friends because now you're sobered up and you're out of the halfway house. You can actually go places now. You go, and I remember going to my, like, uh, it would happen to me over and over again. They would say stuff like, Hey, do you remember what happened mm. when we met last? Fuck. They would start with that, and I already know something's coming, and I don't remember. You know, uh, I'll tell you some of the story. Like my best friend said, "Okay, last time, dude, you came to my house at like three a.m. and you wanted to hang out, 
So I let you in and we were hanging out. And within like 30 minutes, I caught you stealing money out of my wallet. This is a close friend. My best friend till this day, Ms. Madison. I've never told anybody that, by the way. But that's the shit that I, like, I don't remember any of that. Right. But it took me years, you know, and I'm a, I don't, you guys know I have a lot of friends. Like, it took me years to gain some of these relationships back from that. I was just, you did not want to know me. And my, I tell my wife this till this day. I'm like, you did not want to know me back then. I was like a fucking mess, you know, but I like, I have a like heart, like I, my, I feel weird telling you this story because I was like, my voice is shaking. Because <laughs> we know it gets better. It's, yeah. So I, I had to come back from that. I had to gain my relationships back. And that took me years. God, so. how, how are you, how are you dealing with the, I mean, God, the, the thought that it would hit my brain as soon as someone like, do you, you remember yeah the, the yeah. last time the closest person to you says that and like if I mean? that's not just him and it's her and it's someone else and it's someone else like what level of forgiveness to yourself right. did you have to like go through to be able to be okay with all of that because that's a lot of that's a lot of shame i know that's a lot of shame and you're never okay with and, all of and, that and that's not and that's not anyone else's fault it's not like your friend's fault for bringing it up like that's yeah. the stuff that happened but i don't know man that feels that's just like a heavy cross cross it, to carry it, it weighs on you because for until i got sober and i went into that i thought oh i'm just hurting myself you know i'm not really hurting anybody else and that was one of the things that even the the officers were the reason i didn't go to prison is like yeah he's out there hurting himself but no that's not true you know like i got my mom oh my god poor my mom that doesn't know anything who had to like try to bail me out on christmas eve because i got arrested on, on, on christmas because i got arrested on christmas eve i wasn't oh. able to get out and she, little does she know that because she, she doesn't even speak english right she doesn't know anything like this she didn't know that even if she paid my bail i would not be able to get out because i was already on probation before but she would do it you know and lose money i'm still not out you know my mom just doesn't know i like so this is why, like now, all I try to do is just kind of take care of the people that you know. Yeah, and because I, it, this is a crazy story too. I mean, we Paul, we met today, right? So, um, and I have to say, of all the all the people, you know, a lot of people that I get to meet because of this job, from I don't know, moment eight, nine, or ten, I get already. I already understood how nice of a person, how humble of a person, how generous of a person you were. And I'm really excited to hear this next part of the story <laughs> because like I'm sitting in front of someone that is telling me a story of a person that I, I don't understand with, right. the, with spending the full day with you, right? So what what turned that corner? Well, yeah, that, that I, I got sobered up. And then I came and I, all I wanted to do at that time was just like build and not lose that again. I, I, I guess from then on, it really hit me. I'm like, I cannot lose these relationships again. You know what I mean? I got to really, really build them back. And the only, re, only way I was able to do is just because is to just work on myself. I can't like, you know, it's, it's kind of like, it, I, I, I tell these people all the time, you can't say I'm not annoying. Like 
your actions only tell that. Like that's another person, the other person's decision. You can't yeah, tell yeah. somebody you're not decide. annoying. You, yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> so, so I try to, I try to play that. Like I can't just tell them I'm good now. I'm changed. It only, it's going to take time. I have to show them by action and I, all that kind of stuff. So it took me a long time to gain all that. But while I was working on those relationships, I worked on jobs and career and all that kind of stuff. So, so you, you went back to that sales job? Yeah, I went back to the Sounds travel partner. Well, it, 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 it is, but now they were on another pivot and different crew. I wasn't really with the same, same sales crew anymore, but that big sales, sales organization that had those 1500, by this time I'm with the, uh, the travel company now. So mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a smaller business and it's, I imp we implemented that whole telephone and like this phone sales thing into this travel uh, concept and it, it started taking off. So by that time, when I was really heavy into it and when I was coming out of the whole rehab and stuff like that, I was already part of that. So when I came back, when they said one guy raised their hand, it was that company. And uh, when I came back to it, I had to start from, I was a partner and manager there. I had to start from the bottom. Yeah. Within two months of that, I became the manager there again. So I was able to kind of do and stuff like that. Was this new company your entrance into hospitality? Yes. So I was, they were dealing with wholesale rates and stuff. And we had um, some corporate clients that were pretty large. So I got my foot into the whole hospitality hotel, you know, industry at that time. But more so it was a sales job to me than, than a hospitality job. You know, I wasn't really like servicing clients face to face. I was more closing these deals for travel, you know, in the sales room. So I ran a lot of sales guys and stuff like that. We we did pretty well. So what were you actually doing like day to day? Day to day, I was a, I was called the director of sales and I would handle about anywhere from 10 to 30 guys that are on the phone dialing for dollars and I would only they would they would feel out the you know, they would do the cold calls and the warm leads would come to me and I would close them all. That would be the that was the structure of it. So we were more like a cubicle guy than like a hospitality guy going to all these resorts and doing that. I wasn't, I wasn't that. I was more in a sales room, cubicles, you know, dialing for dollars, you know, stuff like that. And so were you selling, I mean, were you, were you essentially Hotwire before Hotwire? Like, no. Were you guys like uh, selling empty inventory of rooms? Like what were you, what were you actually selling? For our rates hotels? were lower. So we were able to tap into these uh, FIT rates are much lower than let's just say Expedia rates or, or, or you know, Priceline or whatever. So some of these guys that are traveling for conventions and some of these guys are traveling for corporate reasons, they would expect a high rate and we would tap into those low rates and there would be a huge gap between what they're expecting and what we're getting it for. So we would mark it up and let's just say there's like a, you know, a fifty dollar gap. I would mark up twenty five. They'll save twenty five, and you know what I mean. So and you earn twenty five. Yeah. What's an FIT rate? Uh, it's a foreign. So there's these inlotment per hotel that they give these really low rates for leisure travelers overseas and, and stuff like that. And there's a lot of them, like uh, companies like Hotel Beds and you know Gulliver's Travel, like the local guys, like um, uh, um, I, I'm like spacing on these names, but there's these conglomerate wholesalers that you can tap into that gets some really low rates. So, you know, there's other guys in town that are very successful doing it, like Clientivity and a couple other people. Shout out to Clientivity and Troy and Daniel. But yeah, that, that's the system I was gonna refer you guys to. It's, it allows a, a business owner or like you guys to anybody to tap into these low rates 
and that's what we're oh let's do a quick with. side pro tip is there any place that our audience should go if they want to book like if you want to book for vegas yeah go we'll to clientivity.com clientivity yeah okay and they're gonna tap into some generally low rates yeah it'll, it'll yeah these are uh unpublished rates so they'll have to like email these rates over to you or text it to you but they make it super simple for any user to use and you're able to tap into these lower rates and stuff so at what point are you in in this travel company and looking either looking for something else or what what happens with the pivot because obviously you're in a position now where you have your own agency you work with a lot of influencers you have high engagement on instagram you you represent 30 different restaurants in in the las vegas area give me from there to now and and how that happened well the food came with my relationship so me and Mindy started dating. We worked at the- Your wife, Mindy. Yeah, Mindy. Uh, we worked at the same travel company together. Uh, and our relationship based on like Food Network shows and you know, like I, I think our favorite show was like Best Thing I Ever Ate. Have you ever seen that yeah, show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like It started with that and we started getting into these cooking. But I wasn't really into food then. She was the one when we started dating. She came from like Louisville area, Midwest. And when she came out here, she wasn't really experienced with Asian food that much. And when she met me, we started eating. A, and then she was the one that really got geeked out in this whole Asian food thing. So I tell people all the time, like I wouldn't eat this much Asian food if it wasn't for Mindy, who's really, really. Who's into your? It. Who's your? What's funny because we've seen pictures, but who's your cock Asian wife, right? So right. like you introduced your wife to Asian food, and then she went. She put you on. Yeah, she's the one that introduced me to uni you know what i mean because i wasn't eating that before but she was really into it she was into the more weird stuff if i tell you what jipo is in korea like there's this it's called file fish it kind of looks like a fish jerky but there's a way to cook it and it's like one of those things where koreans never expect an american would like you know what i mean so when i meet korean people and i want to show the caliber of how crazy Mindy eats, I tell them she likes Jipo. And they're like, whoa, dude. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> whoa, bro. You know, that's some serious shit. So you know, she, she got me into that. And that's how I started the whole food picture thing. When I would eat, I would just, you know, it used to be sushi, a lot of sushi. So I thought they make it so pretty. You know, I, I want to take a photo of it. And I was the guy that was posting these photos on Facebook a lot. Damn, you're and, that, that yeah, dude. That, I was I know I was bugging people with that. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know those people. So I had like a folder in my Facebook yeah. that said food on it or whatever. And I love food or something like that back then. And I would just post there and people were like, what the fuck is up with these food photos? Man? You know what I mean? <laughs> like really shitty. I wasn't editing them. You know, it was like really like raw, like really blurry at the same time sometimes. So that so Mindy was the one that found an app that I should just unload these these things too and it was called food spotting like an actual place for these photos to go that would be accepted by the community yeah, right? and not just get like shit on by a facebook community that's looking for birthday photos or whatever the fuck they were looking for back then <laughs> yo putting food photos on facebook is like printing polaroids of your food right? <laughs> it's the it's the oldest gypsy way of sharing your food content so that's yeah, funny it's a dude uh, i mean she called it like I found a home, you know. <laughs> I found a home for your food photos, for your interests, you know, like, for your like, hobby. Here you go. So I got to give her the full credit for it. At the time, it was like half a million users or something like that. It was, a, was an app out of uh, San Francisco, and I just got super geeked out on that. 
and I and, it was and that more, was food spotting, right? Yeah, and I, it's more like worldly food. I feel like in Instagram right now, till this day, a lot of people go for the engagement, so it's more like a lot of fries, a lot of cheese, a lot of. Mm, yeah. But this was more like worldly, most more gastronomy based. Mm. You know what I mean? More food, real traveling food people that are really into high. High quality, high quality food versus just like high engaging and, yeah, there, so and there is a difference even though those paths and venn diagrams can meet it's not always the same yeah and I, I i you guys probably know better than me on this is that like i feel like there's less of that on instagram foodie world where some people the foodie world is more like hey i want to go to spain and like more not so like cheesy gooey like you know yeah. what i mean but that's that's what these food spotters were uh, yeah. so uh, you know cool thing about them is that they give you points so if you post or if somebody likes something or if somebody comments they the system gives you a point or like some points depending on how good it was or whatever so like a, they gamified it a bit right and it was more so so you can tell there's a there's a rank you can see who the number one food spotter in the world is and his name was Caesar and he was in Spain and I, I know this guy still because we, we connected so there was a top 100 and I got so geeked out on it after like 3,000 or 3,500 posts wow. I was at rank 50. Do all these places have to be different? No. You, no, you just put just up like, a picture of food you get a point. Yeah so okay so like you know how people buy followers and that's yeah. cheating in yeah. Instagram the cheating on food spotting was fuckers going to fucking grocery stores and posting fucking one down one another like an aisle <laughs> oh, like you know what I mean not buying anything uh, yeah they're not eating or there's like packaged shit one after another another and try to get you know posting points and stuff like that so that was Stupid. a cheating you know like, <laughs> so, but but yeah uh, guys that are serious and there's a lot of like food photographers hooked up to this that are you know going in there back then with the DSLR around their neck and shooting these photos so I got kicked out on that and then I got up there and then they got bought out by open table yeah and then uh, the executives left <laughs> and it wasn't really growing anymore no updates um, right during that time I had a meetup like we called it an eat up and it was gonna be I invited top 100 food spotters in the world and literally 25 people came and those 25 people did not want to go like out because they're in vegas you know like the entire weekend was set up to be just food after another like the entire weekend and we did that and it was a successful so till this day even without food spotting they still do this eat up and i think the last one was in budapest or something like that it still goes on but i was the first one to like Organize create the whole thing I don't even know. early stage wait, influencer. Wait, so what, so what do you do when that platform basically died, right? Yeah, then that's when I found Instagram, guys. Mm. That's when I hopped on over and I had a bunch of content. Right. I was already editing photos like I am doing now. And I had this tilt because I was, <laughs> they call it like, till this day, like my friends call it the Ryu tilt. And I don't know if I ever like one was one to actually do that, but I was shooting a lot of sushi rolls, bro. And you know, it's, it can't be just straight. I you have to fit the yeah. sushi roll. And you got to yeah. get it down the barrel. <laughs> so yeah. I'm doing diagonal, you know, diagonal layouts, <laughs> you know? So I did a lot of that. Yeah. And then that became kind of my thing. So I started doing a lot of that. And then I incorporated Mindy into it. So Mindy would be, Okay, we looked up to Stern Style at the time. Yeah. Like, that was like my. She's been on the pod. Good episode. 
well, all of you guys is somebody that we looked up to at the time. So we we kind of oh, I like the style where she's like holding out these drinks. You know what I mean? So yeah. we we started with a lot of that, and then it got to a point where she was doing her nails and like nice nails, and you know, somebody gave me like a total like a compliment that stuck to me, saying, "Hey, whenever I see you, it seems like somebody's like offering." this to me mm. it's not like sitting at a table mm. you know it was like somebody's like giving it to me so i'm like oh i took that to heart <laughs> so i did a lot of that so i would get invited as two you know usually they invite you one no plus ones but i would always <laughs> be able to get the second for mindy because they know that she's always in which is that's total insider baseball for people who yeah. get invited to like pr and publicity like food events is there tends to be a cap on the amount of comps <laughs> that they offer so depending on your clout is if you get a plus one or not and yeah. a lot of people it's a big some deal people to get, get up one, some people man. don't and there's definitely drama that happens yes. between who gets Dude, it you know how they have to do it they have to send me an email and they invite us says no plus one in bold and then they would send me another email right after and say but mindy come come you know really? <laughs> yeah oh. mindy can come yeah. so, wait so, so why so is your account having some resonance at that point where you're when you're able to get this plus one when other vegas foodies aren't is that because your account has clout is that because like mindy's a part of the community like what's going on with uh, the like success of the account that's yeah but no i was like the small guy I, my okay. account did not have that crazy success i feel like maybe it was lack of options in vegas of yeah what's guys that are actually moving some needles i don't know what's uh, the, like the instagram food mm. scene in vegas because like we take it for granted california new york has an overabundance of people who take great photos of food and want to be an influencer is that happening in vegas at the time you're so. doing this right now there's a lot more you know? now there is but then at the was time it like no light? there wasn't that many it was really light i i would say and i would see the, so the reason i found that out is because i got invited by these pr firms and i would go and that you know, in the beginning, you love it, free food. Oh my God, yeah. you know, I, I wanna go, you know. And it's like usually on the strip. So these are like really reputable clients and really, really reputable restaurants that are having these like grand opening of yeah. Wolfgang, whatever, right? So we would go and what I would see is the same people over and over and over again. Mm. And I know these PR firms are searching for influencers out here that are doing food. So if I see same guys over and over again, I know that they're, the, the options are limited. Dude, it became like once a month, I would get invited to these and it would get, like once a week and every night and then became two, I would have two dinners because I had a nine to five. I would only agree to the dinner ones and I would have two dinners a night, four events on the weekends. And I knew that this was coming at that, like right around that time I'm not. And by that time, people were already doing good. Like guys like Drew and everywhere was a really, they're already killing it. Drew from Unlocked. Yeah, I mean. Those people are starting to get tens of thousands, if not hundreds of yeah, thousands of followers on Instagram. Guys were already big at that time. I was late to Instagram. I banked on food, food spotting, spotting for a while. Yeah. You chose your platform. And then I lost, yeah. you know? So I had to kind of start late, but I was lucky enough to be in this like original group where they kept inviting me. And, and the only reason that Mindy was, yeah. And then it got to a point where Mindy knew everybody Right, and the PR firms knew her, and every all the influencers that were getting invited knew that, so we were always being invited. At what, at what point are you thinking about this as a potential supplement to your day job, or leaving your day job for? Well, that didn't happen for a while. So I got invited. Well, I knew that it was coming because I see LA guys and I see other people that are making money doing this kind of stuff. But it, that didn't come until later. Only reason that I started the company is because I, I got sales. So 
uh, a guy took a. It's like the it's like the sushi burger. You guys had sushi burger today. Yeah. yeah. Shout out to Changa. Shout uh, out. Whoa. So good. Yeah. And the bulgogi nice. sushi that burger. You know, nice. not a lot of people know about that. They should know that there's a no raw fish option with bulgogi beef in it, and that was really amazing but yeah so what we did is this guy was uh i don't think they were doing so well in sales and they came to us saying we're off the strip where all you can eat sushi all he wanted to do was just have me control his account and make it look like it's mine and make me look like it you know what it looked Your like style. for me his account so, being his specifically yeah. coming to you for instagram yeah he said okay i'm dying like last budget i want to kind of spend on this instagram marketing thing he kind of took a chance on us uh, he all he said was like, I want my Instagram to look like yours, mm. right? So we agreed. We're like, okay, and we agreed on a really low retainer. And then I went over there. Do you but, still have your day job when you got this retainer? Yes. So you uh, had to, I'm assuming. Of course. Right? Yeah. I'm yeah. not thinking that this is becoming anything or anything like that. I'm just that was pretty good side cash. What year is this? Three years ago, I want to say. Okay. Um. Wow. Sorry. That's. This is quick. Like, yeah, this is two and a half bro. years ago, I want to say. You know, That's three not that years long ago. ago. No, man. not at all. Like, dude, I'm still working. By the way, me and my wife both work at my travel company. So both eggs in a basket, right? Uh, we had a nine to five. I'm a partner there. I'm pretty good on, on like salary. I'm making some money. But when this started, uh, we had a meeting before I started the account. And the guy's question was, how do I know? Okay, this is all great. But if there's a sales increase, how do I know where what's came from what? Like, how do I know that this is an impact that's that you guys are creating? Not, said not said us. the dying restaurant business. I know, owner, right? <laughs> like, uh, how do I know it's you because know. Listen, my bro, business is dying? So literally, any sales that come in is because of me. Right, right. And you just admitted no one is walking in. I just right. met them today, and it's an amazing business now. So it, it's funny it, I, that. I, right so, okay, so nobody was, was walking it was far from the strip yeah and you guys were at the new location which was right by the strip it was far it's like 30 minutes away right so he had ideas he was like okay i'm gonna give you a code you know mention like a discount yeah code. so mention ryu sauce <laughs> and you get 20 percent off and i just it's just flimsy uh, yeah like i always thought 20 percent off i'm not gonna show that when i'm on a date or you know what i mean like i'm not gonna <laughs> look for 20 percent off and like show somebody yo, yo waiter yeah yeah, yeah. before yeah. you get the check yeah. ryu sauce so, yeah for that, for, <laughs> For that twenty percent, he like winks a little bit, <laughs> gives, gives him the R sign or something, you know, like things that never happen at restaurants. <laughs> yeah, I got that code for you. I, I got you. that code. Flash so, that R gang sign. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna buy you gang. So twenty percent up, right up. That was the thing that they had. That was the yeah. idea, and I think a lot of people still do that kind of stuff. And I, I told them, well. To me, that seems like it's devaluing your product. You know, I, I, I'm always gonna want to expect it. I'm gonna always gonna expect it 20% less when I always. You know, that's the whole thing about Groupon coupons and like I always, for me as a personal, like I I, I expect it less when I pay that less. You know there, what I mean? There's a there's a subtext outside of you can get transactions from discounting. There's a there's a context that you have to remember that is like building in the psychology of your customer when you discount exactly and like i think about that growing up like i think about soup plantation growing up oh you never go without a coupon right Be never e ever no like you would literally it, not it, that expensive it, it would literally with. there would literally be situations where it would be like i'm really craving soup plantation all you can eat soft serve get the chili <laughs> mix it with mac and cheese do i have a coupon 
Nah, I'll just go somewhere else. Right. That was like liter. Right. That was liter. Like, oh, can I get it online? And when they took that away, it was kind of like you either were in their email club or not. And if I didn't have a an email like ready to go, I wouldn't go. Dude, wow. I've had fa- we had family conversations on Sunday or something like after church, like where we gonna eat. And if we didn't have the soup plantation coupons, <laughs> we were all get- and we'd be geeked up about it, right? Like my brother Andrew would be like, "Oh, I'm feeling soup plantation." My mom would be like, "I love the chowder." And then my dad was like, "Okay, whatever." And then and then I'm fucking geeking up. So we get home before we go after church, and then we can't find a coupon book. So we go somewhere else. I was like, "Oh my god." <laughs> Every, we, oh my we, god we, we would just have saved six collective dollars yeah. everyone typed up but yeah we will just switch because we because it's built into the customer psychology because it customer psychology now is that place is too expensive without a coupon <laughs> exactly that's like, my whole point okay so okay, i love good, the good accent of your dad when you do your dad impression <laughs> i should have butchered it amazing. more because I, I gave him a good americanized accent <laughs> yeah. there, man. he got slipped that in there really nice right that was good i, I felt it <laughs> <laughs> okay so what do you so what do you do when Instead you're like hey like, like yeah what do you do so yeah i told him okay so one of the ideas was let's create something right like a secret menu item yeah don't tell anyone and if somebody comes and orders it you know it's coming from me Right, that was the whole strategy. Is that let's make something new, like a secret dish or whatever they call it. Which is a which is an amazing strategy if it works. A very risky strategy. Very risky strategy. Because like if your thing doesn't crack, whatever your right. strategy is, and people don't walk through that door, that that also devalues any, and it proves your it proves if your like it proves your value to a degree, right? But it also like if it didn't work. That ha- that's your one shot, and, right? And now that I think about it, and after we've already done it, like, there's a lot of reasons why it wouldn't work. That's not like marketing problem. Like, you know, it could be bad, or people just don't like it. it yeah, you know I mean, there's so many layers of failure that you could that could happen from that. But at the time, I was like, fuck it, whatever, let's do it. You know, I, I just wanted this client to be happy, and I just said yes because, first of all, we wanted to do this. I wanted to do this whole sushi burger idea, but. I, I, I wasn't really, like right now, if somebody said that t- to try that strategy, I would be very like strong on telling this person, this might not work. <laughs> you set your I mean? expectations, not everything yeah. is gonna be a hit, especially a restaurant that's on their last leg. Ooh. Yeah, like, it's, it's That's what's scary, and then they just offered the coupon option, which you're like, that's not working. But if you're a dying restaurant, it doesn't, like what can, like, let's try it. I mean, what, right. what, how can it be worse? You yeah. know what I mean? Nothing to lose at that point. Right, and I wasn't really particular about if I'm gonna lose this client or not. I'm just happy that this client has been coming to this me is, about money. Th- this you know is literally mean? client number one. one. Yeah. By the way, I still have the client. You saw it today, <laughs> shout out. Yeah. But yeah, so that was the thing. We we thought about it. I, I actually put it in the thread of the guys that are going to, the, I had an event already set there. And huh. I'm like, hey, I wanna make this new dish. I can't take the like a, a credit for the sole credit for creating this sushi burger idea. It was like the guys in the threads like, hey, let's why don't, why don't you do? They even sent me a photo of like a sushi burger that was in Somewhere LA up. or something like that. But it had this white rice bun, bun, and a lot of people said we've other people have tried it, but it just comes undone. You know, it's really you know like Flimsy. the buns doesn't 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 stick. So I gave him that idea, and then in the beginning when we first shot it, we shot it with regular buns. But that 
started like taking off. Like just sticky off. rice right. falling apart. And then we went and, and shot the whole thing. We all posted at the same, like around the same time, and it started kind of gaining some momentum. And shortly after that, they created the thinner, deep fried rice bun. So it looks more like a burger bun. It looked like a bun when we saw it Because you browned it. So yep. the browning yeah. of the it, browning the consistency. Of it was the key. And it keeps together, it yeah. sticks to, you know, it stays together. So as soon as they did that, Thrillers came and you know the insider videos yeah. and those, we made those and then it went to like Travel Channel and I started came, 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 climbing up, climbing up, climbing up. How did, how, what was the experience like to kind of watch that video climb and, and why do you think gatekeepers outside of yourself specifically were interested? Like, and how did that all work? I mean, was it just people started to see it and then they wa they wanted to get their own content? Was that you seeding it different places? Did you have a relationship here or there? Because so many, I think that the most asked question Eli and I get all the time is like, how do I make something viral? Yeah, and, I mean, that's... And, and, and again, you can't really give them an answer. Yeah. You can give them like, hey, it needs to check these boxes at a fucking bare minimum <laughs> to give it a shot. Right. But I'm curious, like, walk us through that experience, right? Because this is, this is pretty high risk, high reward. This is client number one. Right on its dying last leg and you have this promotion that you can that's gonna probably bank. not gonna work right well that's right. gonna bank if it, like <laughs> i'm assuming this restaurant owner would probably been like fuck you if it didn't work right because right? like oh i knew this wouldn't work we should have done the coupon so, so, so well, first of all <laughs> yeah first of all the retainer was so small that it really wasn't really that much of a big deal if i failed let's just okay. say but it really wasn't all like, oh, is this gonna make it? It just, it's just started happening, and I was genuinely shocked at the, <laughs> you know, we already expected not big of a result, you know, and at that time we were like, is this really gonna work? Is this all the Instagram thing? You know what I mean? And and it started taking off, and I couldn't, I don't know how, like people are like, how did you get through it? I don't know, you, you know what I mean? They saw it and they came, and we just, we were just on a recip receiving end of it where they started reaching out. I don't know how it got there. Do you think it was, I mean, you mentioned we when you talked about publishing posts. So I'm assuming there's at least like you, your wife, or any some people that you might have known kind of pu publishing content oh, yeah. about the burger. Do you think it was your post? Do you Like if you had to guess. Oh, it had to if be. If you had to guess had to your post ha was, was hashtagging. Yeah. Like, what, what do you, like, if you had to guess, like, how it took off, like, what do you think the reasons were? If you had to guess, I know that it's like, there's, you know, a number of factors, and even we can't tell you all the factors, but I'm curious about looking back, like, Man, is it just I, timing? Is it just yeah, like. Yeah, maybe. I think that is because we all post around the same time and everybody got pretty good engagements out of it. So I can't tell you, like, one that yeah. did a lot better. Like, Drew was there, Unlock was there, like, Last Week's Foodie was there. Like Ninja the Fruit, like all these guys were there and they all posted it and all went well. I just don't know which would actually sure. hit the mainstream or the artery of. But you had you know a, I mean? you, so you had a, you had the top Las Vegas foodies coming. Yeah, at the time. And, yep. and so for people who don't, who want influencers to come into their own restaurant and talk about their new food item, what, was that something where you just in, invited people to come out and try it? And that was, and that was part of the. The success was it wasn't it wasn't just Ryusas like po oh, posting. Oh yeah, there was a, it was as like, soon as we did that, a lot of people wanted to come and come and mm. shoot it. You know what I mean? But I don't know who 
actually had what followers or anything like that? It was probably the crowd effect. I mean, if yeah. I had to guess, it's it's just good content prevailing. But right? more so, it's like they were the place was open to it, and Ellen mm. did a really good job honing that in. Ellen, who's part of the restaurant, part of the restaurant, did really good job honing it in, being really friendly to the influencers that wanted to come in and shoot. Uh, I, I tell people all the time because, like, after that. You know, they had a super success. So this, they they became really busy. So this guy, the owner, told all these. This is how I started my company, and the the momentum of sales started coming, it's because because that one case study, he told like bunch of Korean restaurant owners, hey, you gotta you gotta fuck with Paul on this thing. Like they're like, how are you doing it? They're like, we use this guy, and you know what I mean. We don't know what he does, yeah, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> he said no coupons, and fuck, we did this. it's amazing now. Jeff, I had guys coming, like Korean guys, I didn't even know who they were, they would just call me up and they would just literally say this, they would throw the money down, here's the money. I have no idea what you guys do. Is that, would they throw like cash at you? Yeah, that would literally Like just, an envelope of cash? Yeah, that would, I had a guy that had a- <laughs> I love Koreans, Don. The first- yo, you dude, love Koreans. Gangsters, like, you know, they had an envelope of whatever the first month retainer. And this guy that's telling people to you, the, the guy's like tripling his, his whatever he's paying to these guys. And Which is amazing for it's you, It's so amazing. Right? So they, they all came and saying, here's the money. I don't know what you do, but can you, can you help us like you, you did that guy? So I had like- a lot of, I can't really tell like how many, but I had a lot of Korean restaurants that signed up in the beginning like that. How and many Korean restaurants, owned restaurants are there in Las Vegas? Are they a ton? A lot. I want to say a lot. And the Chinese, Chinatown picking up so fast and now it's even more. It's probably doubled by now or whatever. It's been, it's been really, it's been really good for the toll. Asian food industry in Vegas. How, how crucial was it to be able to speak Korean and also oh, be huge. Korean and I'm assuming like you, you were the you were the if there was a guy to trust in Las Vegas, it would be it it would, yep. it would be you, it right? Came to that, so that there was that one guy that spoke Korean for them. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So they all came, and then I, what I did was I signed them all up, and then at that time I knew that I needed a person to partner up with, and I partner up with the best guy I know out of my black book to be able to scale the business. So he played the whole investor part, the scaler, the whole structure of it. But that's his name is Jeremy. Uh, but before that, like I, I started helping these people, and I realized that I, I even took a client without even tasting their food. Sometimes wow. is that scary? What are you like yeah, onboarding like a shitty the client? Wrongest thing to do. You know what I mean? It's Why? Because it doesn't. If if their food. I soon realized that if they really suck, you can't help them. You can't, yeah. You know, you can't help bad So what do you do? Food. Do you pull out some like Gordon Ramsay shit when you find out no, they're bad and you go in the restaurant and try to change? Or do you just you, like, ah, I can't do this, you're no yeah, longer my Or client. they leave themselves not seeing any results, mm. you know? So eventually you get to a point where you start working with people and then you get to realize that this is, the personality doesn't match or you know, they're not really into it or they don't want to be open to a lot of things. And some of these guys had a lot more like perspective thing of what these accounts should be looking like themselves. Mm -hmm. So it was tough for me to ask for the creative freedom of the whole account than them telling me, I want you to post this kind of photos. I want you to, do, you know, that kind of stuff. So that kind of held us back a little bit. But 
overall, I just realized that you can't just put a lipstick on a pig and try to sell it. You know, it's, it's it, a lot of things have to line up. Do you feel some type of way about, do you, do you create a sushi burger at every restaurant that you mess with? Or are some of them like, yo, the menu's good. No. You're just not telling the story right. Let me help tell the story. And sometimes like they want to, a lot of people, oh yeah, I want to create this new thing. And it's tough. You guys know that. It's yeah. crazy to just come up with, and I'm trying to not like increase their ingredient list like crazy. You know, I'm trying to do it within the ingredients they within already have. Within food costs, within their own sourcing, yeah, guess, not you know, trying to change like everything. Yeah, for me to say, you need to buy foie gras now, you know what I mean? Or like you need to start buying, like I can't do that. So I need to be able to think of something within their ingredients. And that was another tough part. And, um, you know, like there has been few cases that are really good. And it's not really, I'm creating, I didn't create the sushi burger. There's another already sushi burger already out. You know, it yeah. just all depends on what happens where at what time. I feel like the timing is everything, you know? Yeah. How much of your, how much of your sales background has translated into what you do now? A lot. I feel like one of the things that I do in my, right, our agency now is, I'm able to bring the sales to the table. You know, I've always been a small follower influencer. So for me to have an agency, I had to bring a lot more value to the table for the people that wants to work with us. Yeah. Then just a like a, if I had a really big account, that would be a huge value. But in this case, I had to do a lot, a lot more. And part of that was like, you don't have to sell anything. I don't even expect you to bring in any clients to our office. I have sales already and I just need help with the accounts that I'm, I'm getting. So that's how I was able to kind of start working with people that are bigger than me. It's just by saying, hey, this, this much, uh, I have this much in the budget to have a person just run this account or whatever. And, and that you're saying bigger than you, and I just wanna be clear, I think you're talking follower counts yeah, follower and stuff accounts. on IG. And I think it's really important and interesting to note that one follower does not translate into $1. And I feel like I've talked about this for a few years yeah. now that no like people look and they judge and they see like, oh, this person has 20,000 followers, man. Ugh, ugh. You know, like you have more than that. Right. And the idea is that is an outward facing number that means genuinely very little on people's bank accounts. Yep. There are so many million follower kids on Instagram that are dead broke. And I think that's what's interesting about how you harnessed and actually turned it into a business is it wasn't necessarily about your follower count. It was about the genuine value transaction that you had, one with a restaurant, mm -hmm. then with other influencers that may have great followings and great content, but no knock on them as people, maybe they're just not making the money or having the relationships to be able to turn their content into a dollar that goes into their bank account. Oh my so, God. So I think mad important to know that Follower count does not mean no way everything there. It, it does help, like you mentioned, you have a million followers, you probably have some inbound inquiries of people that are like, please come to my restaurant, or please wear my nail polish. But to translate that into people, like if you're a sucky person and have a million followers, that brand won't work with you again. Right. Like if you were shitty the whole right. way, I think that's interesting about how you kind of built, and the other really talented entrepreneurs in Vegas that, we're excited to keep talking to is you guys have built this like community of value being exchanged both ways. Oh, and and the the, the arbitrage that we saw, me and my partner saw in the beginning was was exactly that that, that uh, standard. Like I I know a girl with five hundred thousand followers doing stuff for free, and I know a girl with eight thousand followers charging 
crazy Absurd money numbers, yeah. for a post. So I'm like, where's the industry standard? I feel like people just are bad at pricing themselves, mm. you know, and, and I feel like there's a lot. So I, I, I still believe, even if there's like negative reviews about like info, whatever, there's a good chance that if you're a good negotiator, you can get really good value still out of, you know, like these influencers and stuff like that. How many clients did you have before you needed, before you were able like, I'm gonna quit my job and your wife. Right. Because you're yeah. working together two. with steady jobs. Well, okay. So one of the things that was happening on the job side was I was I was a I was a partner there, but as I was seeing some kind of cash flow problems, I would see the decline of of that business, and I was getting sick and tired of the nine nine to five. I was doing a lot, and I was working crazy. Um, and then this whole and then I started picking up clients on this whole food side, right? So I knew when those guys came, and I was able to get like. A, a certain, I wanna say like eight underneath my belt or something like that, or like anywhere from five to eight. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was handling at least five of those, or, or I don't remember exactly how many, but that, at that's the time I started looking for a partner. And when I grabbed hands with my partner, Jeremy, that's when I started kind of thinking, okay, uh, when, when, do I, when do I leave, right? But it kind of came to a point where it was more mutual. They know that this wasn't really going well, I was able to part my ways. So uh, uh, one of the things that my partner liked about me when when I first started this was the loyalty. Like I was ready to go down all the way with the prior company, even though I know that it was gonna fail before I can like go to another venture. So I got to a point where my partner said, okay, we're good, you can go. And I got that blessing and I I left. but I didn't know how I was how how good this was gonna be. I wasn't making that much money at all, but I had a f- investor that that was able to help. So at the time, uh, to make sure that when we run the business, and uh, again, Jeremy's an investor. You know, he had he's very. This is a, one of thirteen other ventures that he has. You know, he's an acting CEO of eight of those ventures. Uh, one of them being one of the hugest like ad agencies in New York. Uh, that handles Fortune 500 clients like Altria, Unilever, you know, Pfizer Pharmaceuticals, AIG. So he had a lot of real experiences in in this company. And when I showed interest to go full full 100% into this, he he wanted to kind of like pick us up. So he funded my pay. Like in the beginning, his thing was I don't want my business partners going out there with cash flow problems or like you know you're worried about your bills and stuff like that. So one of the things that he did is okay, we're making X amount of money now, you used to make Y amounts of money, I'll pay the gap between the Y and the X right now for you guys to not feel like you're, you're hurting for money. So that's how I was able to kind of like go out there and be, be more proud and be more like not really, I'm not taking deals, I'm not really mm. discounting shit, you know what I mean? I'm not like dropping my pants on prices and stuff like that. So there was a, Again, I'm just lucky with people, and there was this guy that wanted to kind of like pick everything up and fund it, but within a few months, he didn't have to do it anymore. We were, we were. I wonder what he saw outside of maybe you as a person in the model that you were working with, because he already had a successful agency yep. in New York, probably like more tried and true full service agency. I don't oh, yeah. know what it is, but was there something about food and influencers that he's like? So he has a, I had a pot, we, we recorded podcast and the second podcast we recorded was about that. Like why, like my, my close friends would ask him, why are you, why are you doing this? 
And he has this theory, he invests in people now because he's made it, right? So he has the list and he said, we met 10 years ago. Actually, we've known each other for like 11 years now, but we didn't talk about any, I didn't exactly know what he did. You know, like us, like I would hang out, like, mm -hmm. you know, run into people. I met him at a nightclub at Palms. I was, I was partying and he was super VIP. So I just kind of ran into him. We had girls that, that knew each other or something like that. So, and I got to know him and then he would always kind of come in and like tell us, hey, I'm in town, I'm getting a table here, blah, blah, blah. And it was in the beginning, whenever he flew into town, we would just party together. And then that kind of grew into, but he tells me within the first year or so, he has a list. He's like, I have this list of people that eventually that he writes down that I want to do business with because there's just these genuine people. He has a group, like a list of it. And I guess me and Mindy, somewhere along the line, but eight years of knowing him without knowing each other what each other did, he had a list when I made that list. So eventually when I came to him about this business ideas and was consulting about this failing business that I was in and blah, 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 because he would, first of all, he was really interested in the whole relationship thing. I told you about the, he knew me with my ex mm. and then I was with Mindy, mm -hmm. you know, after a few years and he knew the whole story. So he was genuinely interested in that. And then it got to a point where we started talking about business. And that's why, he, so he's, he says, I invest in people, I, I, I look for these people. And eventually when I have an opportunity to do business with them, I, I, I act on it. So he's super invested in it. And he's now, uh, he spends about 70% of his time doing jump force and maybe like 30 on the rest of his business. He moved his residency from New York to Vegas for this because we're picking up pretty fast now. Wow, wow. that's really exciting. Do you, do you feel that no. He's like the Wizard of Oz. A lot of people don't even know. Like some of my friends don't even know I have Jeremy, like who's like the master planner. So, you know, the arbitrage he saw was that, hey, uh, when we go into this whole Instagram marketing thing, I, I my question was, everybody's doing it. There's like, so, you know, everybody's doing it. How are we going to stand out? And he's like, I see, I see a lot of people doing it, but I feel like there are a lot of mercenaries. There's a lot of one-man bands that are that are doing this. And he wanted to print in this like the business structure where these guys can come and join and not have to worry about insurance business LLC, like you know taxes and all that kind of stuff and be able to kind of run it. And a lot of people we saw are not so business savvy or they're not really salespeople and stuff like that. Yo, this is so funny. Cause if you look at Ryu's Instagram, the bio is, I tilted a bit, <laughs> hashtag Ryu tilt, Seoul, Korea, Las Vegas, his wife's tag, all pics with my iPhone. Like, and here you are running this this very successful business. And then I, I love the dichotomy where people might like, they might have 700,000 followers and in their bio, they remind you that like, just crossed 700,000 followers. <laughs> right. Like, you are broke, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like, so I just think it's, it's really a testament to like, things are deeper than that the layer the layers that you're working with are i think are deeper and we didn't even know right we didn't even know that these layers existed because i think the the first thing people look at for better or for worse and food beast included is going to be like well how many people follow them right yeah. and and, uh, we're, and we're guilty of that too and i'm, I'm not saying we look for deeper than oh, that yeah, yeah, no. but at the same time like it's something we always look at you're right it, like I can't deny that it's not something we we don't look at either. And I just so thought I, your pictures were dope, and I thought you were twenty four. Probably <laughs> <laughs> so, so exactly. let's go. That's what I want to look like. That's, <laughs> I, that's why I'm like you know fronting it ass. But 
Yeah, you're right. It, 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 to me, it, okay, so the companies have grown a lot bigger, like, or, or like a lot layers to it because that's how we started it. And the whole Instagram thing and, you know, branded content is where we're at now. We're making a lot more videos and I'm, you know, we're, we're going into that space, but uh, we had to build a lot more than that. So, you know, and, and I got to tell you, I don't even know exactly what the directions were. Like we, if we had a master plan of where we wanted to be in a year or anything like that. It's just, we just started building a lot more layers as we got into it. So only thing that we're true to ourselves is the core values that our company has. And that's the one thing that we really, there's eight core values that you have to believe in to, to join or like we believe in. And that's really standing us aside from a lot of people is that we just tr stick true to those, these values. What are they? Good vibes only, you know, there's eight of them. I can't, like, I'm probably gonna fuck this up. You know what I mean? Like share it forward. Like we have this rule where no matter how competing you are, how much of an enemy you are, we still like them, should share their posts, still go to their events and still, you know, support and all that kind of grow the community. Uh, like good vibes only. Uh, there's a lot of them that are like really, really cool. The integrity sale. I took a picture because we just visited your office before this, which yeah. was pretty fun. The integrity sale, which I'm assuming is just sell people on some shit that you know you but can But in the right way. In the the right integrity way. sale to me is like, don't just sell it because you can get a signature. Mm -hmm. Like, don't just do it for revenue. And correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. Don't just do exactly it for it. like revenue growth per se. Right. But are we the right fit for the right client? Is right. what I read from that. <laughs> We're gonna interpret these for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, authentic and organic engagement. I like that because mm -hmm. a lot of. Uh, agencies and influencers are guilty of buying followers they're guilty of just fabricating the image and i think you guys want to build real substantial followings for your clients yeah it comes down to art like we believe in art i think the the, the be best way to like the next art doesn't stand for like art like art is like authoritative authoritative uh relevance and trustworthy that's that's what we we value uh, eventually we believe that like search and stuff like that is going to go to those three things like you know how authoritative this content is how trustworthy this content is and how relevant this content is so you know uh, right now our agency what we're talking about is zero positioning which is like not the first place on Google but zero position like hey Alexa what's the best Hawaiian food in Vegas and it's going to come to that one one answer and how do we get to that zero position before the ads, before everything? And it goes to the voice. So, and, and I believe, and this is our theory, that art, those three things are gonna be the what makes it, or like make, make the difference. So we kind of try to value that right now. That's like the latest thing that we kind of got into. Paul, because of your sales experience, uh, I mean, you, you have a lot of it. And you also have, you have a checkered background. And I think it's, we've talked to now, we've actually had, you're, you're our third guest to um, enter jail, prison in some sort of way <laughs> and come out of that and have a really amazing story. It's really not easy for people to experience what you experience and build a business or even have a job. Personally, I've, I've I kind of always felt that because I have a decent ability to um, to make business close that no matter what I'm doing in the hardest of situations, if food beast falls into something where we can't, we can't get out of mm -hmm. and I'm on the street, I feel like I can 
provide for yeah. myself and provide for my family because I know that sales is like exactly. my, my absolute end all be all yep. is that I can I can I can do that. Yep. Do you feel that sales is the reason that you were able to transform your yes. life? Oh, transform my life? No, I'd be able to trans trans uh, transition from my old to new. Yeah, like I'm not afraid of new business ventures because the sales capability that that I know. You know what I mean? So I'm able to bring in the deals, and I feel like I I don't care if my company becomes a like tomorrow I have to start selling umbrellas or something. I know for sure I can be the best fucking umbrella salesperson that, you know what I mean, that anybody's ever seen. So that's those are the cocky egos that, that I have in my head about sales that was able to tell Mindy, I'm like, I got this. You know what I mean? We can we can do this and we won't we won't go hungry. And she's more conservative. She's like, oh my God, we're gonna die. <laughs> like, I Which I get. I think we'll be all right. I think we'll be all right. You know, I, I'll be able to sell something. Yeah. I think uh, you, you have to go to Life is Beautiful soon, but I would like to ask uh, for guests or people that are going to come to Vegas, what are like, if you're going to do one crazy 24 hour trip, twip? What's a twip? Twip. One, one, trip, one, twip. One crazy 24 hour trip. So you're going you're gonna to experience breakfast, you're going to experience late night in a club and more food. Oh, shit. So give me, give me about like five must stop eat oh, drink no. places do that. you gotta do it you gotta do it oh you can God. include a client or two if you want welcome, but, to, welcome but, to the food beast hot but seat. i need it i need it because you know i just need it man. hey we just had boba at yes and oh, that could be yo, one of them okay also can you please describe some of these menu items seductively for us yeah, like, yeah we need what it. did we need it. what did you order mm-hmm. okay let's From start the with boba. you're gonna yeah. land you, yeah. need a, you need to pick me up so you drive to Brew Tea Bar. Brew Tea Bar. Two locations in town, okay. one on Rainbow and one on Eastern. Mm. What did I order? Yeah, what did, yeah. You, so what did you order two. for? Yeah. I ordered yeah. two. You ordered two. I can't just two. go there and order one. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. And it's always got to be a large because it looks better in a large cup than a smaller cup, I would Ch- say. Touche. So the, the, two, the two that I ordered right now, my thing, it's like recent thing because I've had my favorites before, but one of them is lychee and coconut smoothie with egg pudding on the bottom that shit was so fucking fire oh i like lost hey. my mind in the car he's I, that's just the caffeine i drink bro. boba all the time i, I drink, wish i, I had that clip like when jeff just started time. screaming i'm just in the backseat going what the fuck, fuck is, is this this is like fun oh. in a drink because of the consistency but the flavors and uh, the texture like you have to get this drink you have to. No, I actually think it might have no, been on camera. I was trying to film something, <laughs> and all of a sudden, Jeff's fucking screech in the back. I thought he was dying. Izzy kicked him out the back seat. I love okay. it. What's love the other it. one you got? The other one is a cantaloupe tea, cantaloupe green tea, mm. non-sweetened yeah. with sea salt cream on top. And mm. when you said cantaloupe green tea, I was like, You okay. don't know what that tastes no, like. No, I was like, melon. Like I, I've had some interesting melon things. I've never personally gravitated toward melon in drinks. I don't know why. Maybe because I don't gravitate towards melon in general. Because this- you relate to the, uh, uh, the, 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 the other melon flavor that's fake, the greenish, the, the mm. what is that? Um, like the winter melon? Yeah, like the... Is it called winter melon or are they, it's not cantaloupe, but the other one. Oh, the honeydew. Honeydew, Honeydew, that's right. So there's this honeydew flavor that is super fake. Oh, gotcha. And I don't like that. 
but this was more cantaloupe. Flavor. It actually, yeah, it does taste like, and it was very, very good. I, yeah. you said like I'm gonna get cantaloupe up there, and I was in mind like we're new, we're new, and I'm just like yeah, 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 like get, get it. But if I was like, ah, I don't, I, I don't, don't know about that. I don't know about that. But you, you definitely convinced me because it was, it was really refreshing, and the other drink was super heavy mm. so it was it was like you kind of got the balance you got. so you can tell like if i'm thirsty yeah. i'm gonna go for that but if i'm in for the treat of it i'm gonna go for the smoothie yeah. okay so you're hopped up on this good tea <laughs> right where do we go next i don't know what's what's next i'm into the asian food right tell yeah. me so i'm i'm into sushi korean barbecue and stuff like that so i would say I, would one, go. I only have time for one babe where am i going Oh man, I I would go eat the sushi burger that we just had. Yep, I would I would just go try that. What's What's the place and and describe the sushi burger again? Like it's called Janga J J A N G A. Uh, There's two locations in town. They just opened up a new location by the strip that you guys went to. Yeah, and they have sushi burgers, sushi pizza, sushi tower, uh, sushi slide. They're all sushi fied. Yeah. Right. It used to be an all-you-can-eat sushi place, but that whole sushi burger thing started the whole trend of making new sushi-fied shit. Yeah. So that there, there's that, and it seems to do really well, and it's good content. Yeah. You know? But it's really good, and they have all-you-can-eat sushi that's really good too. And they have proper saw. sushi. So like they have the, the nigiri, and they have it's really dope. But then you also get something for the gram. They have sake you could drink. And it was also I think it's what a twenty-six dollar all-you-can-eat. Yeah, so I, I like think that. it's like twenty six ninety five, like, and it's like it's like it's a rocks throw from the Hard Rock, but like I've never paid that low for sushi in Vegas in my entire life. Oh, yeah, and it's all you can eat as much as you can, you know, with all those appetizers and all those rolls and all those nigiris. It includes uni, includes like all that. So yeah, it's a good deal. So th- that, and then my favorite Korean barbecue place right now just opened up on the strips called Chosun Huaro, which is like- How do you spell that? C-H-O-S-U-N. Chosun. Huaro is uh, H-W-A-R-O, and it's inside of Miracle Miles, and they have this cut that is special. Two special things that they have there other people don't. It's got Empress Kaibi, which is these, you know how short ribs, Kaibis are short ribs? These yeah. are long bone oh, ribs. Oh, shut so up. Super long bones with the Kaibi flap on the side like of it. Like tomahawk style? Exactly. But it's like Tomahawk Kelby? Kaibi. Oh. I'll show you, dude. I'll show you pretty soon. And then they have that mountain of bulgogi that I showed yeah. you that comes like a shabu style bulgogi. It gets cooked on a grill. So I have never seen that, but that place is straight from Korea and I really love that. They just opened up. By the dude. way, shout out to uh, uh, the, the Chosun Haro because we just created a video for them and that actually ended up on the LED on the strip of the Miracle Mile. Now, if you go to the strip, the biggest LED is on Miracle Mile looking out to the city center and all those three LEDs have to play our video. It's the a 15 seconds. Dude, how does that feel? How does that feel to have your video on the biggest screen in town? It's that was a special moment. Yeah. You know, and um, shout out to, it's not me, guys. Like, I, I only do like a small portion of jobs in, in our company that does sales, but everybody else produces these fire content that I, I myself can't. So, shout out to guys like Jesse and all these other guys, like Ron and everybody else that is creating these videos for us that just kills it you know and um man, it's more produced videos the strip. it's the best kind of porn you can get on the i know strip, <laughs> I, I i do i do appreciate that that they they put us on there so that's like a new thing for us right now so that's the k barbecue okay right. now let's what say, else what do you guys want to say eat? it's about it's about 8 p.m right well i just already have my tea i had sushi and k barbecue what's next i don't know like what's next? maybe like i love my 
like ice cream treats. I'm not a big dessert guy. Yeah, but, but I need sweets. There's only I just two had spots in town. Like I would say, like CJ's is good. That uh, custard. CJ's Italian ice cream. I think is. Uh, uh, I think is Drew owns it or something like that. Like he's involved in it, but it's really really good dessert. But more so, I I, I only know more like Asian food. Y'all run you know, it, right? Blah blah blah. Hit, hit us up with what like if. Like Food Beast is leaving Wednesday morning. Right. What's the last spot that you would highly encourage us to go if we found a spare hour or two because it's just it's just worth it while we're here? Oh, man, there's so many. I don't know. <laughs> I like I like hand pulled noodles. Hit me. Uh, I Where don't know if there's a lot of places like that in LA where there's Chinese guys pulling super big noodles. There's two spots in town that 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 we would say. One's called Magic Noodle. Okay. I've been seeing them on the IG. Magic yeah. noodles. Nice. This place okay. is good. And then there's another place called Noodle Man that that does that kind of what stuff. What do you order when you're at getting hand pulled noodles? Like well, hand pulled noodles at Magic Noodle. I ordered the Sichuan oh, oh, peppercorn. peppercorn yeah. soup with yeah. the, with the with the knife noodles, the thick ones, you know? I love oh. that. But if you go to Noodle Man, they have this Mapo Tofu noodle. Oh, where come it's like on. a noodle with it, in, inside of a Mapo Tofu. Slower. Come get some. That's, say it a little slower though? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But dude, I'm like dropping a lot of my clients, so I, wanna, I want to give me you guys one that's to, not your client. Give me one, one more that's not your client, because all this on fire though. Yeah, I mean, there's so, I don't know what else. Like, you, there's a bunch of pizza. Like, my favorite pizza in town oh, is like pizza Neo, Neapolitan pizza. Where? Okay. Uh, it's called Sette Bello. And the reason I, I compete, uh, I, I know Neapolitan pizza might not be the, and there's Amano, there's a Brooklyn pizza and all, you know, and there's Chris Decker who has like a Metro pizza, who's like a super genius pizzas. But I just, I just lean towards these uh, Neapolitan. But the cool thing about Settebello is that they're VPN certified. Do you know what that is? No. So if you're a Neapolitan pizza, there's this like a license from Neapolitan, like a Vera uh Pizza, like Napoli board all, of pizza, all three locations in town has these plaque from Neapolitan saying that like you have beef, to have like some Kobe amount beef. of uh, ingredients. Exactly. So if you go there, you can't get pepperoni. It's like all prosciutto something and and all these super good ingredients. And when you go, there's 900 degrees, 90 seconds. Uh, a super good Nutella pizza for dessert. It's like seven bucks and they have the same dough, but it's Nutella banana almond pieces and like powdered sugar yo uh, that sounds amazing, amazing. dude uh, i really love that yo let's wrap this shit up so we can go yo, paul where can where can people find more about what you do in your content uh my instagram account is ryu sauce so it's ryu sauce at, at ryu sauce and our company's called jump for jmp force jmp signs for jeremy mindy and paul so there's an Instagram for it, you know, it's at jumpforce.com. But our website is probably better where you can see all our micro content and our team who 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 fucks with us and all that kind of stuff. That would be uh, jumpforce.com, you know, jmpforce.com. Paul, thanks for coming on. I really man. appreciate this. I don't even know if I did a good job, but I, I, I really appreciate this time, guys. And I can't believe I got on this because I listened to you guys like religiously. You know? Man, thanks for the hospitality in Vegas. For sure. Appreciate you thank not you, making fun you, of Thank you, thank uh... you, thank you, Jeff. Oh, this is nice, I, guys. This is like legendary moment for me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna like take a moment of fucking silence and and kind of soak this in a little bit. Just kidding. I'm not gonna. Do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bye All guys. Right, bye guys. <laughs>